Welcome into this Five Clubs Conversation. I'm Gary Williams. You know, the calendar is rolled to the month of March, uh, and that means our entire staff. That means Jay Billis, it means Gil Hance, it means Emma Carpenter, and myself. we got a lot of work to do because everything is building momentum in the game of golf, including people playing the game. You know, I think we take for granted a lot of times in parts of the country, especially when I lived in Florida for 10 years. It's like, you know, people don't play golf until it's legitimately springtime. And of course, you got the first major in the women's game, which will precede the first major in the men's game. And you also have the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Well, today, joining me are two of the biggest stars in golf. They can sell product. They can drive interest while playing exemplary golf. And that is Jessica and Nellie Corda. These are two people who are vitally important to the industry of golf. They're stars. And, and I think in particular, American stars have, have a value that is hard to measure at times. And that's one of the things among many that I'm looking forward to talking to them about. Nellie has ascended to world number one. Jessica has won seven times. She's been very close in, in several major championships. And they are two of the faces of the women's game. And they're taking a break right now, but they're getting ready to get busy again because the West Coast swing that'll precede that first major of the year in the California desert is coming up very quickly. I don't really know them, and I can't wait to share with them the one time that we actually met each other. I don't even know if they'll remember that. With all that being said, I'm very excited about this conversation with Nellie and Jessica. With that, I welcome in Jessica and Nellie Corda. Guys, how you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, good. It's good to have you both. Now, I, I was mentioning in the open, um, I've only met you guys one time. Um, and I actually know the exact date. You want to know why? Because last night I went back and I watched an episode of Morning Drive from March 8th, 2012. Jessica, you were on the show with your dad and Nelly, you sat outside of the studio, um, and I can tell you, you guys have aged um, really, really well. I looked so bad. I looked so puffy and fleshy. I, w I, I could only watch like two minutes of it. Do you even remember being there, Jessica? I do. I actually had no idea Nelly was there. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I definitely remember that. Nelly, do you remember being there? I think vaguely, but yes. Gosh, that was so long ago. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad that you noted that we aged well, though, so thank you. <laughs> I was wondering where he was going with that. Well, yeah, I, I, like... <laughs> I, I will tell you, I generally don't think much about these interviews other than being prepared, but I really did think about how am I going to say this without making them, like, I, I didn't want to say, Jessica, you've aged really well. I didn't want to say that. Um, so I think I actually navigated it pretty nicely. I'm, I'm quite proud of myself. Uh, and by the way, Nelly, <laughs> you keep flipping your hair. You're preoccupied. You just shared, you just <laughs> shared with new. the world. Now you're sharing with the world. Uh, you got your haircut today. I did. Yeah. I chopped it all off and it feels very weird. I'm, 
I'm not really sure how to feel about it. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with my hair. <laughs> Jessica, I mean, it, she said she got emotional about it. She said that her and the stylish were getting emotional. Do you, do you identify with that at all? I do. Uh, my stylist was actually really excited about chopping, like, whatever, how many inches off. Um, she was like, let me at it. Brought, like, her scissors out and just smiling through the whole thing as I was like are we sure about this <laughs> so I I feel her you know when I asked Chris your agent about trying to get you guys on uh I would have been thrilled to get you know one of you at one time and one of you at another time but I was I really wanted you guys to share this together not because look I know how you know kind of tedious at times some of the things that you guys get asked um, and I, I certainly hope that I don't venture into those areas, but I do find you guys to be a miracle. And I say it for this reason. Look, I grew up in a town of about 35,000 people outside of New York City, and there's never been anybody. And, and there were good athletes in my town who never went on to become world-class athletes in, in any particular area. And you guys grew up in the same house. And not to mention your brother, and obviously your parents. And it's, it's, I think the Williams story is one of the great stories in the history of sports, not just American sports, not just tennis. Do you guys get affected by the fact that you're doing things that are very rare for one person to do, but you have a family full of outliers? I don't think we think about it, to be honest. I mean, it's one of those things that to us feels normal. Um, we understand that, you know, being a professional athlete is very special and but I also think that you know this is how we grew up this is like what we all wanted to do and internally we motivate each other yeah it was kind of like the atmosphere we were also raised in I mean even though our parents were retired my dad was still coaching professional tennis players when we were young so I feel like it was just kind of like the atmosphere we grew up around you know we also grew up at IMG full around bunch of athletes so I think as Jess said it kind of feels normal in a sense yeah you know your 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 dad um it, it's interesting I was reading some things about about his interest in the game of golf and and Jessica there was a quote from you years ago that you were working with an instructor and your dad was kind of curious and really taken by the process of of golf in terms of becoming better i mean really really good um and and you guys did you you did figure skating you did gymnastics but there was there was more than just a curiosity with golf do you think that that drove um kind of your your both of your interests because your father had this keen interest in the process of getting better at golf i'm not sure i mean i think that would be more of a question for our dad um, for me, I really just enjoyed being out there. Um, my friends were doing it. It was something that I was able to do with my grandparents or grandfather and my dad, um, you know, spending our summers in Czech Republic playing golf, like handicap Wednesdays and playing club matches over the weekend and traveling and stuff like that. So for me, it was, I loved the experiences that I was having with it. Um, and not necessarily the technical side, I think, at that age. I, I appreciate the process of it, I think, more now than I did as a kid. Nellie, you know, there was, there was another line that I read that said, you know, look, we needed to have something for Nellie to do. 
So there was this natural environment for her to kind of fall into, but it, it takes an interest. Were you, did you feel like it was a natural interest for you with respect to golf? Oh my gosh. I think I just wanted to do everything Jess was doing. Like you can just ask her about like the stories growing up. Like she had to take me everywhere. She, she probably thought I was the most annoying little sister alive, but to be honest, I actually hated going to the range and practicing <laughs> when I was young. Like I hated the kind of like the grind. And then I started like getting more into like the competitive side of it and seeing Jess on tour and, I was already obviously like in love with the sport by then, but I started playing tournaments when I was nine. So, um, you know, growing up, I wasn't too sure about it, but then I just, I think something just clicked and I fell in love with it. And I could also do it with Jess too. I, uh, you for, those... for, for your first U.S. Women's Open when you were 14 and that's when it yeah, no, that's when I was like, okay, I want to do this. For the rest well, that, of was my life. that was 2013, right? That was 2013. Yeah. And then for you, Jess, who was 2008, did you have that same kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look at this, look at the swag, look at the lights, look at all this. Like, this is, I want, I want this. Yeah, that was exactly what it was like. Uh, I mean, we actually have a picture of Nellie walking outside the rose with my dad's like long socks on because the grass was so wet. She didn't have shoes that were waterproof from that first US Open, but that's what it was like. I mean, signing autographs, the swag and everything. And um, my rookie year when I came out on tour, I didn't know that every tournament wasn't like a U.S. Women's Open. So it was a slight <laughs> rude awakening to being like, wait, where are all my gifts? Like, where are all the fans Monday through Wednesday? Uh, so it's just, where are all the grandstands? It was just a very different um, to what we have week in, week out. But that's why the majors are so great. That's why the U.S. Women's Open is so amazing. Yeah, it was always literally the highlight of my year going to watch Jess. One, because we would always rent houses with like trampolines. That too, that was fun. <laughs> um, it was really cool. I was watching Jess and she um, actually snuck me into the locker room. Shh, no one telling me. <laughs> In 2008? Yeah, she was, she was literally, she met Morgan Pressel, Lorena. You were probably taller uh, than Morgan. <laughs> No, it was a little pipsqueak back then. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, for those folks so who are cool. downloading, the, who are just, you know, doing the audio version, I highly recommend you, you watch it on YouTube as well because when Nelly said that I just wanted to do everything that Jess did, it was a very, very subtle but very uh, smug little hair flip um, from Jess's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the, the whole thing about like nature and nurture, um, I, I, I had this really good conversation with Jordan Spieth years ago because both of his parents were, were college athletes. His brother played college basketball at Brown. But beyond that, I heard this really interesting conversation that John Legend had with Howard Stern. And, and John Legend came from a family whose parents were, his mom was a seamstress and his dad was a factory worker, but his mother led the chorus in church and his dad was a drummer. And he said, there's no doubt that, that the, the nurturing that I got in my household led me to my love for music. Um, and he went on to go to the University of Pennsylvania and obviously, and, and the reason I bring that up is that you know, in terms of you guys are genetically, you're, you're, you're predisposed to have 
you know, incredible athletic genes, but you're in an environment from a very tender age of being around highly competitive people. What is more attributable to you being who you are, Nellie, nature or nurture? It's a tricky question because I feel like there's so much that I guess your parents can show you or someone around you can show you, but it's how you put it into play in a sense. Like it, it's all on you. I don't know how you feel, Jess. Like, I feel like, you know, it's 50 50. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone can show you the ropes, but it's how you put, use that information then on. Cause I feel like there's, there's so many parents that have been former athletes and maybe their kids haven't, wanted to play and then or haven't gone on to be maybe successful but they've tried everything and you know they've taken everything that their parents have told them about it but I think it's I personally think it's probably 50 50 I don't know how you feel Jess yeah it's 50 50 I mean it was the same thing with like Nellie going out on tour like it was only like the nurture part was was 50 and then the nature part was 50 like you got to figure it out on your own as well but the guidance obviously helps um but it's also just being everyone's so different I'm not the same as Nellie Uh, we're not the same as our parents we definitely have tendencies that are similar but you know at the end of the day you got to figure it out on your own you know the, the 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 competitive part of it is something that you you may acquire. You may be around hyper-competitive people. Um, some people become unrecognizable when they're doing what they do. Uh, I, I, Tom Brady is a horrible... Now, you guys took a very nice picture with him this Sunday night, and he is... I, I had the experience of, of being around him, and he, he is a... He really is a genuinely delightful person. He's a horrible human being when he's playing. I mean, he's, he's unrecognizable to himself. Michael Jordan is not dissimilar. Are, are you guys that much different when you are competing than when you were away from golf? Jess? No, I am very similar. I, I want to win, but my personality kind of stays very similar on and off. Um, that's how I feel. I know Nellie's different. Um, but for me, I've never, I play better when I am free, loose, happy. Um, I'm still like intense, but it's, it's not like a, I want to cut your throat because at the end of the day, it's not a head to head. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like golf is not a head to head sport. It's more like I'm trying to whip the golf courses, but. And then hopefully that translates into whipping everybody else's butt. Um, but I think, you know, match play is different. Match play, I'm totally cutthroat. I won't talk to you at all. Um, but this is different. Yeah, I'm more of the same person on the golf course as I am off. Nellie, are you chippier than your sister? Are you? Um, I think I just flip a switch out there. I don't know. I'm, I guess a lot of people think I'm intimidating and I, I have an, a little bit of an RBF out there. I don't mean to, but I just, I guess I just like, it's my zone, right? So I just flip a switch and I, I get lost in that zone and that's where I feel most comfortable. And when I'm with friends and when I'm with people I know and I'm comfortable, like I'll, I'm kind of a completely different person, but when I'm on in my zone, then I just like kind of flip a switch out there. 
the 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 whole idea of you know whatever age that you make a, a commitment to one particular endeavor that you really just pour your heart and soul into being lost in the pursuit of of excellence this sport is inherently selfish and as you get older your life evolves and and you know for you Jess you're now married I mean you 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 have you know you have somebody else in your life that you're you're trying to share this journey with is it more challenging to be to be selfish about all the things that you feel like you need to do to be at your best as you get older good question um you learn i think you learn your routine where you feel your best and then everyone around you kind of falls into place or into step with what you're trying to do um we know that this isn't a career we're gonna have forever you know this there is an expiration date um on our careers and you're trying to give it everything you got and it's so important to have people around you that understand that and respect that and you're all on the same page because then it makes your job so much easier because you have that um, unwavering support behind you and everybody understands like the amounts of times that I've had to cancel plans last minute because I'm so tired from working out playing golf like the day was just tough and I just don't have the energy to hang out with some of my friends for example they're totally understanding they, they just don't care. They're like, that's fine. Do you, you do what you have to do. And when you have time, you know, you come and hang out or same thing with my husband. If I'm just not feeling something, you know, it kind of just falls in step everything that I'm trying to do. And it's so important to have that balance and the, you know, the people behind you that get it. Nellie, are you, you know, you're not as far along in the journey of life as, as your sister is. Do you mm-hmm. feel those thing, those same things kind of pulling at you now already at 23? Um, well, I'm not married, but I no. <laughs> um, hope not. <laughs> but I think, yeah, as Jess said, super um, important to have people around you that are very understanding of your life, lifestyle, your wants and needs. Um, I, I cancel plans all the time, unfortunately. <laughs> Jess knows. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm just not going out. Like I am so dead. Like I need to recharge my batteries. And that's just how it is. Like as athletes, you just kind of, you have to be selfish and the people around you kind of have to be understanding. Do you guys feel like you, you have the kind of balance that you want, Nellie? I mean, again, you mentioned some, you got to say no. I mean, and, and thankfully you've got people in your lives that understand and, and look, they have lives too. Uh, and everybody's life is different. Do you feel like you have the balance you want? Yeah. I mean, um, I think your body kind of tells you when you just need to go and have fun. Um, you dedicate so much of your time and energy to like the sport and to the grind and then to the grind, by the way, (laughs) to the grind. Um, but you just need, sometimes you just need to step away and just kind of like live your life and just be normal in a sense. Like it's so weird saying you have to be normal, but you just have to go, you have to get away sometimes and just take a breather, be with the people you love. So as Jess said, it's, super important to find that balance and everyone else finds a balance differently. And I think that's one of the struggles of, I think athletes as well as finding that balance, what works best for yourself. You know, you guys not feeling guilty and not feeling guilty about doing it because 
There's so yeah. many people chirping at you all the time. Why aren't you playing more? Why aren't you doing this more? You should be out there like supporting every event. And you're like, we literally can't. Like we would love to, but we also need to make sure that we take care of us because it's the seasons are long and we need to learn to not feel bad because the guilt is there, but you kind of have to have that separation sometimes. Yeah, like yeah. a great example last year was after we played um, the Olympics and then Solheim. I was so mentally exhausted after Solheim that I had to take some events off. And then my first event like back, I played in New Jersey and I still like, you know, like little things kind of like tick you off. Like you just get so much more agitated out there. And that's when you're like, okay, I need to take a step away and um, not feel guilty about doing it. You know, Josh, you, yeah, you, you, you mentioned people chirping at you. Wh- who are you talking about like social media platforms? Keyboard yeah, warriors. Yeah. Keyboard warriors. Like, I mean, you're trying to do your, your best. Like, I'm so sorry, but you know, it is what it is. I, this is, this is what I do. It's not who I am, but we, we play in everything that we're supposed to play on our schedules and we have to do it in a way that fits us the best. And I mean, we have 30 plus events. We're not going to be playing 30 plus weeks, so it's fine. But But the guilt, the guilt is there. Between the two of you, who handles uh, the anonymous warriors on keyboards that are, that are, you know, again, they swoop in, they troll. Uh, It's, it's, I I honestly think it's, I, I mean, I can't ask athletes this question enough about the impact of social media on performance, which one of you handles it better? I'm usually the silent one. I just like complain to Jess and Jess is the savage say, like, one. In which one? I was like, in which way? And which Jess way? is like the <laughs> savage one that comes up with the real, like they're, they're really good responses sometimes. And usually they're so good. The person deletes their comment. Really? <laughs> I just do it. I just do it in a way where I present information and sometimes it's in a slightly passive aggressive way to where it makes them feel bad about it. I mean, listen, if you want to be seen, you were seen. You just can't take the truth and then people liking my truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> passive Double aggression up. is lethal uh, if it's done if it's done effectively. I didn't realize that you like how do you do it exactly? Do you, do you do it with like a like a clinical way like laying out information or you do it with kindness that they then recoil and now they're like curring for favor what is your strategy it it honestly depends on the comment um (laughs) i i I have i let it flow i write it out i show it to nelly and usually send it to our agent chris to make sure that like i can't get into trouble and if (laughs) i get the go ahead then i go ahead wow that's very deliberate i mean i so you really do you pause, you script it, you get, you get approval from Chris and, yeah, and the then, and then one. you hit send. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. And then we just wait. <laughs> you, do, you don't do it. But the thing is like, like you don't do it to every comment. It's very, no, rarely. No, 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 no. it's very yeah. rarely. It's more yeah. just like the comments that it's just like, are you using your brain? You know, like, are, are you like, you're a fan. So if you're a fan, you should know fact A through Y. Like, I don't care. You should know, 
you should know like don't comment something stupid just because you're angry or i don't know like i and the betting now that betting is a thing too oh yeah it just escalates to a whole new level yeah i now nelly is jess actually started with do you use your brain question mark or, <laughs> i mean that's been no. edit, that gets edited out by chris <laughs> doesn't it i mean that would, be, that would be so funny, though. Well, some comments actually honestly deserve it because they just don't even make sense. But um, I try not we try not to focus on it. Like we even reassure ourselves. We're like, OK, she sends it to me or I send it to her and she's like, like, don't think about it twice or stuff like that. So yeah. we try. Not, but there's like occasionally one where just like I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm like, OK, you go, sis. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There is a uh, there's a there's a great book that I read a couple of years ago that actually Rory has read it and talked about. It. It's called Digital Minimalism uh, by this guy who's a professor at Georgetown. His name is Cal Newport, and and it's not about like turning into an Amish person, but it's about like really assessing for like thirty days what on your phone is really of value to you, and stripping out stripping off all these. And I did it, and I found it. I I actually found it really kind of therapeutic. Now, I don't get the kind of input that you guys get, but I still get, you know, get harpooned by, by people here and there. Do you guys, have you figured out a social media strategy or do you try to make it as much folly as you can and just fun? Or do you have a bona fide strategy about, about placement and, and, you know, inclusion and letting people, you know, kind of see your life beyond just playing? Do both of you guys have a strategy? I have no strategy. I just try to keep it kind of, obviously I don't share absolutely everything. I share bits and pieces here and there. I like, still try to keep it like personal, but I have literally zero strategy to my social media. I just try to keep it neat. Just do you, do you, same thing? Yeah, I mean, I won't put a ton of like personal things on there either. I kind of keep it pretty, pretty wide on what I like to put out there. But in terms of like personal stuff, not, not a ton. Yeah. Um, you guys at the beginning of the year, and I thought that this was good, but I, I ask, I say this about, about the presence of celebrities at your tournament of champions. Um, and I, I, I like the optics and, and I like, I like the byplay. I like the fact that you guys are, are, around people who, who clearly love golf, and some of them are, are, are actually quite good. But I asked this because I talked to Mike Wan after he'd taken the USGA job, and I said, how close were you with the Tournament of Champions, you know, you guys co-opting that week in Maui? And he said there were contracts that were signed. And that I found disappointing that it didn't happen. Um, do you think that, th Nelly, do you think that that should happen? Do you think it will happen? That you guys in the PGA Tour can co-op a week and, and share a property and, and have two different championships? I mean, that would be um, a super exciting opportunity for women's golf. Um, I've never heard of anything like that. Um, I don't know about Jess, but I personally didn't. This information wasn't really shared with the players. Um, but, you know, I think that's kind of a stage that, in a sense for us to continue growing uh we need to be put on which would be really exciting i um i know we have a couple of events with maybe the european tour yeah 
um, that we had. Uh, we haven't been back in Australia in like a couple of years. And then I think we have one in the UK, maybe Irish. One in Sweden now. with, with uh, Annika and Henrik. Yes, but I don't think that's an official LPGA event. That right, it's is, not. I it's think not. Just an, yeah, I think it's just the uh, we have an event in Ireland that's the same. That's um, joined with the European Tour, if I stand corrected, right, Jess? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I I, I know I know the Aussies for sure. Yeah, so. but I mean, I think that would be really exciting to be put on a stage like that, and I think you know to push women's golf forward we in a sense need to be put on a stage like that. Yeah. No, look, I look, you guys are getting more network television. Uh, the announcement earlier this year about the, the purse, uh, which is really robust in terms of what they're doing with the U S women's open. Uh, I, I think it's great. You guys are going to, you're going to, you did the double in 2014 at Piners. I thought that was great. Um, why, why just do you think that, that women's golf has the kind of traction that it currently has. Like the, the guys from No Laying Up, Four Play Pod. Um, you know, look, I, I've always, and I'm not saying this to, to, this is not about, you know, self-congratulation. I mean, you guys are, you, you're special at what you do, but why do you think this is happening now? Why do you think women's golf has the kind of traction that it currently has? Well, women's golf is the highest growing kind of sport in a sense that there is right now. Um, a lot of it is obviously with the movements that have been in the last couple of years, the women's movements, but a lot of it is just possibly just talking louder, maybe uh, speaking up, um, having, having the voice being like, listen, we have a good product, but you guys are only putting the men on like equality means, you know, that we get the same, at least the same platform, give us the same opportunities. And then from there on, who knows what may happen. Um, and you want to have representation of both sides. So it's nice to see the inclusion of women in a lot of these things. And, you know, you can kind of see where it's taking our sport as well. So also those are add, really important. Go ahead. Also to add to that is I think COVID really helped the game of golf Big where time. more women, more women started paying attention. I think more just people in general started paying attention to golf. And I think that's also has helped our sport a you lot. Know, I, I will tell you this. And I said this before I brought you on. Uh, I think you guys are vitally important, both of you, because uh, you can sell product. Uh, you can drive interest. Uh, you're good for the industry. And, and, and I've said this for years. Some people may think it's myopic. I think it's really important that, that American women be at the top of the game. Um, and I think it's great with all of the traction and all the interest in the Far East in women's golf. But I think it's essential that there are American women at the top, at the top of, of your sport. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. I mean, obviously you, uh, Nelly, I was like, are you going to like, answer? Uh, awkward pause. Um. <laughs> I mean, you are, at, we're at the top, the highest top and now you're still at the highest top. Um, but obviously it's, it's really important because it, for in America, like we essentially are an American based tour. We yeah. play worldwide, but we are based in the United States. So that is obviously really important. Representation is important. Um, I think that there is also a lot of pressure on American women's golf um, on the same side of it uh, for all, for all those reasons, you know, everyone's like, well, we need more Americans and we need more. 
Americans are doing their dar- darnest. We're not sitting on our hands, you know, being like, oh, gee, I hope it comes this year. And we're working our butts off. The competition is is really good. The, the girls on our tour are phenomenal athletes. Um, and if you, anyone gives that the LPGA tour a chance or a viewing, um, come to one event, you'll see that. You'll see us hit amazing shots. We don't have cameras behind us 24-7. So, you know, you miss a lot of shots. And unfortunately, um, you, you know, we only cover a certain amount of groups. But hopefully in the future that changes and you, you everyone can be able to see kind of the talent that, that our tour has. With American golf, obviously, being, you know, a top priority for everyone. Um, when she said, Nelly, when she said sit on her hand, she was actually twiddling her thumbs. Uh, can yeah, you twiddle your thumbs your the way that she can? It's very, it's a good talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, uh, the idea of, of, of you guys being at the top of the game, I, I actually think that you guys are both great for Lexi Thompson. And I'm not asking you to do dime stores psychoanalysis of her. I thought it was a burden for her to be the face of American uh, women's golf. Uh, I thought it was hard. I think some people are cut out for it. You guys seem to have an ease to handling all of this stuff. And I'm not saying it's hard for her, but I think there's an ease with you guys. You don't prepare for this. You just perform. And then by virtue of that, all of a sudden comes all this other stuff. Do you like doing all this other stuff, Nellie? Um, <laughs> 50, 50. Yeah. I mean, like I always say, you know, good golf solves everything. Right. So I focus on my golf and hopefully with that more comes, I don't try to focus on any type of aspect of, um, what comes outside of golf. Like my main focus is golf and, um, trying to play the best to my best ability. That's my main focus always will be. And every other thing is a bonus. And if I have time and if I have energy, I'll do it. Obviously, you know, with so many requests coming in, you still have to sit back and be like, okay, you know, my main focus is golf and performing at my best ability. And for me to perform at my best ability, I have to say no. I have to be at home. I have to have a boot camp. I have to go to the gym. I have to see my trainer. And it sucks. Yeah, it sucks saying no all the time, but you just have to, and I say 50-50, like you just kind of have to fall back down to earth and, you know, um, practice and make sure that you can go into an event knowing that you've done all your work and that you can pos- play to your best ability. And if you play well that week, then great. And if you don't, you know, you learn from that experience and you try to take it into the next week and so on. You know, just one of the, the things, yeah, go ahead. The, sorry, the, the saying is, is, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So, no. well, you know, you'll always hear about it if you con- constantly say no. And you will hear about your poor play if you're constantly doing that, but then not practicing. And then they're like, well, why aren't you at the top of your game? And you're like, well, I was just but doing also this depends, and that. So. It also depends on what you want, right? If you want to be more in the media side of it after maybe playing well, or if you want to play golf because you want to uh, you love it and you want to go out and play to your best ability every week it just depends on what you personally want out of anything uh jess i was going to say in addition to noticing how how bloated i looked in that interview from 10 years ago was how um kind of chill you were you had just won in, in australia you had just turned 19 um and you were you were very comfortable um and your dad was sitting next to you. 
Um, and he actually looked nervous. Uh, and this guy has won a grand slam. But anyway, I mean, did, did you have to adapt to, to a lifestyle? Because, you know, taking on a profession at a very young age, which you did, is pretty daunting. I didn't figure out what I wanted to do really until I was 30. I knew what I wanted to do when I was 15. Um, I knew that I wanted to be on the LPGA tour playing week in, week out with these women. Um, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I, if I wasn't playing US Open, I was working my butt off to be in the US Open the following year. Um, that's all that mattered to me. I wanted to play at the highest level with the best women um, in golf. And so I think the, the crappier year was my rookie year when I had a tough time adjusting to the travel schedule, the demand of week in, week out, um, being so young um, on a tour that there weren't very many young girls. I think I was actually the only one, and Lexi was Monday qualifying at that time. Right. Um, but, I mean, the age gap was quite big. The, these days, I mean, I we're 25 and under. Um, so <laughs> there's no problem with that. But back then, I definitely had a hard time adjusting to it. And then by the time I, I won in, um, in 2012, it was – like a weight just lifted off of my shoulders and I was definitely a lot more comfortable. I almost like proved myself to like the older girls. Um, and so I had gained their respect um, and it was kind of smooth sailing from there. Um, the, the trio, is that what you guys still call the, the group text that you've got with, uh, with your brother? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that is a very active group text, right? I mean, who is the most, see, I have a problem with someone who can't just write like a couple of thoughts in one text. You know what I mean? Ooh. And, and the person like my wife is a serial texture. Like she'll, she'll, it's like rapid fire and it's like an automatic weapon. There's like seven before I can respond to one. Do you guys get like a full thought out before you hit send or no, no. no. We're, we're rapid, rapid fire. fire yeah. Family. You guys would drive me <laughs> if, crazy. If you ask our agent, Christopher, he'll know that it's just one after another. And they're not even, in, they're, they're not complete sentences either. It's either, it's either straight silence where it's like, yeah. hello, hello, question mark, question mark, question mark. Or yeah. it's like just rapid fire. Fire, yeah. How, um, how is watching your brother? I, I know that. Uh, you were both quoted. I think you were, you were both in the same side of a draw. You were driving somewhere. You were both like redlining with adrenaline because he was playing. Atlantic City. Yes. That's a, a, yes. And you got there and you were like, I, which one of you had like a chamomile tea? Because you got, you were so amped up that you, Jess, that was, that was you? Yeah. yeah, that was me. It was actually really funny because we were driving to the golf course and Seb just won and I was right behind her and I was just flashing my lights flashing out. Lights. Like, oh. <laughs> my hands were like out of the car. I was like, yeah, we were high-fiving each other in the, in the parking lot. And then we're like, okay, time to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How, uh, you know, the sports are so different. The, the one thing you have in common is that, you know, you, you do it alone. And you, you have to rely on obviously a team when you're not playing, but, but you, you can't, if you don't have it, you don't have it. Um, but with him, it is an opponent. It is an opponent. And, and the resolution comes in three sets or five sets with you guys. It can be a little bit more methodical at 72 holes. Um, 
what is more challenging? What what you guys do or what he does? I think it's equally as challenging. Um, what a them, bailout physical. answer that is. What a, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, physically, physically, um, I would say his is definitely a bit more challenging. But when he comes and walks 18 holes with us, he is dead tired. Like, really? he's like, I can't do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a completely different type of, like, endurance. Like, it's completely different. Like, mental aspect, I would say that ours – could be possibly a little harder just because we have way more time to think about everything. I agree with that. There's a, so just like action, um, paced and for us, we have so much time to think about everything, but then when it comes to like physicality, I mean, they're running side to side. It's all all ballistic. It's crazy. What, what they do. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there, that I would say, a hundred times hands down is harder but when seb comes or just tennis players in general come and walk 18 holes they're fried after they can barely walk they're literally yeah. like asking for seats uh, we've had one of our friends actually cramp up you're kidding yeah no, it's, it's golfing golfers actually have to have some type of endurance like to be able to walk shocking i know but like there's in comparison, there's also zero chance I could ever stand on a tennis court for three hours and run side to side. And three hours is like a happy medium. Like they go five, five and a half. I mean, look at the final um, in Australia between Nadal, like yep. with Nadal, like running for five hour, five plus hours. No, no, it's, no it's true. I, I, you know, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't your brother, didn't he have a long match at Wimbledon last summer? Didn't he, didn't. I thought he had one that was a marathon match. I don't know if it was third round. Um, and I thought it was somewhere in the four hour range. Yeah. It was one of his longer matches this year. Was it Australia? Was it yeah. Australia this year? And his, he had a long one. His toes, like his nails were all blue. Like they're Plus, done. Yeah. Like bloody toes. Yeah. Um, I seeing, seeing Nelly, seeing you and your dad and your brother um, at the, the parent child, is your is your brother a big sports fan? I mean, is it, does he consume sports at a at a high level, or is he totally insulated to the world that he's in as a tennis player? Oh man, he lo- he probably knows everything about hockey. He loves hockey, and what's cool is that a lot of hockey players love tennis too. So he's kind of through throughout like his career he's already formed a couple of good friendships with some hockey players um and he played hockey when he was younger but he's very aware with what's going on in the sports world Jess as far as your dad is your is your dad um and and I know you you actually had a very good answer earlier you said it's a better question for him to answer but just based on observation um you know, I think sometimes with parents, now your father and your mom, Regina had, you know, look, they were elite athletes themselves. Did you ever get it to a point where either one of you thought maybe either one of them maybe wanted it more than either one of you? Or was that never even close? No, they, they want us to be happy um, and, you know, do our best. And they know what our goals are and they know how much we want it. I think sometimes it might hurt them more if we don't achieve something that we do want because they, you know, as, as, as parents, you, you feel for your children and you, you want to give them everything that they want. And when you see that they maybe don't reach or are struggling, I, yeah, are struggling. I think you feel for them even more. Um, 
So for them, I mean, our parents have been great with kind of separating that with us where they're, if I'm struggling or if Nelly's struggling or sub, they're always there to kind of pick us up, give us a pep talk and, um, you know, give us a bit more perspective because sometimes I think we get lost um, with our perspective and kind of exactly where we want to be going with it. Um, so they've been phenomenal at that, but there's never been a point where they want us to do something like as if they're living vicariously sure. through us. That's never the, not, not our family. No. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it, it's, you know, being around, whether it be friends or people you observe, it's just not healthy. It's not a healthy ingredient, uh, to have. I, I was, I was watching an interview with a legendary actor and he was talking about, about learning, um, and he said, I, I learn much better by observation than by trying. And I thought to myself, God, I never even thought of that. Like, and with you guys, there's a refinement, Nellie, to what you're doing on an everyday basis. Um, do you ever feel like, like, and this may seem weird, that, you work, that you're working too hard and you're not working efficiently enough or smart enough? Oh yeah, there's times definitely that I work way too hard and um, my parents always tell me uh, that I'm working too hard and that I need to like take a step away or step back and rethink everything because I see like maybe after a couple of days that my body's really, um, really sore or I'm really tired and you know, they always say quality over quantity. Like that's something that they've kind of tried to ingrain in us. <laughs> You know, you see people like practicing for like five, five hours, six hours of being out there all day. But like, how are you getting better from that in a sense? Like in a sense, I feel like it's better to go out maybe for two or three hours and you have way better quality practice. You're way sharper with your head. You know what you want to do. You go there and you do it and you go home. Well, when I feel like when I over practice, I put so much pressure on that thing that I'm over practicing that it's actually the thing that disappoints me in my round. Are you the same way, Jess? I, because of my injuries, no. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very smart with the way I practice. I have to be, um, I kind of don't have a choice anymore, but, um, it, it makes you realize like what is the most important going out with the plan is always like, you know, a huge key, um, but yeah, I, I'm very much quality over quantity. Oh, I, I was hoping the dog would come in. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know the door was supposed to be closed. Go say hi. Hi. He can't hear you. I have headphones in. He's <laughs> so crazy. This is Nellie's best friend. Uh, that is mm. do, Nellie. Do you not have a dog? No. Why? I can't. That, that's, that's, that's a commitment I can't commit to. <laughs> Wow, Jess, what does that say about well, that? That's like, commit to a that's dog? literally like 30, 40 minutes less of sleep before my rounds. And I'm just not committed or not in stage in my life to commit to that. Once I'm like, once I'm done with golf and moving on to the next part of life, oh my God, I'm going to have a farm of dogs. <laughs> I, I have two dogs. My wife's out of town right now. And they know that they can take full advantage of me when she's gone. <laughs> totally. I let them sleep in the bed and then they, and then they wake me up at two o'clock in the morning and they want to go out. Um, yeah. And I am, I am their softy. I'm their complete pushover. And it doesn't bother me at all because unconditionally like that one. You know what Jess always says is they always go to the weakling. So 
(laughs) And they're always, so they're, when I go to my parents, he knows that my mom is going to give him cheese. So he'll sit by my mom and she goes, Oh, what do you want, sweetie? And I'm like, Oh, we're starting them young. (laughs) All right. A couple more things before I let you guys go. Um, uh, you played in the Seminole uh, Pro Member, uh, and Jess, you won the net. When, which when do you think you'd ever hear a professional golfer winning I, the net division? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> hey, look, that's you get paint. Your your name is going to be now. I worked at Seminole for two seasons uh, a million years ago, and those those boards and those locker rooms are like everything to have your name on those boards. So, do they have those boards in the women's locker room? No, they do not. They hang in the men's though. I've heard, I've heard big things. Um, yeah, my, uh, my partner, Mike Tro is super pumped. Uh, it was a, it was a really fun it's day. It's a huge deal to get paint in that locker room to have your, I mean, and you're, I mean, you're going to be up there with like Sam Snead, Ben Hogan. I mean, that's, that's really cool. That's very cool. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you guys with five quick questions. I thought for a minute I was going to have you answer for the other, but I, then I was like, that would be so confusing. Um, <laughs> because I, I just, I, if I had you here in studio, maybe. All right, Nelly, let me start with you. Uh, the movie you've watched more times than any other movie in your life. The Proposal. Oh, that's great good, movie. That's, I mean, that's a good rom-com. I mean, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. God, yeah, and he's pretty nice to look at too. <laughs> well, the scene in the bedroom where he comes out of the shower. Well, actually, I think it's both of them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, he didn't shower, she did. He'd come yeah. in and he was, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, Jess, yeah. how about you? Sweet home, Alabama. Wow. I know, I could sit here and literally recite most of the movie too. It's really sad. All right, Jess, right back to you. Um, the sound you like the most, any sound, what is your favorite sound? The ball hitting the bottom of the cup. Oh my God, that was mine. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it it doesn't have to be golf. This, I is mean, like, it could be this like, is like family feud, you know, when they ask you at the end, those fire. That's exactly what it is. That's, I, I aspire to be the host of family feud. So that's, I'm fulfilling <laughs> yeah. this dream. What would it be then, Nelly, if it's not that? Um, I mean, I take a lot of swing videos, so those are, those are nice to listen to as well, like the strike when you know you've hit it really well. Oh, so you're but a solid also, ball striker? Yeah, but also like some of like the guys, like, you know, when a person really compresses the ball, like it sounds so pure. Uh, there are There are some people... You guys are way too young. Nick Price had a very different sound. It sounded like a rifle shot. Um, Rory, long irons. Rory sounds different. Um, DJ, yeah, no, you're right. There's the, the people who can really squeeze it. It's a different sound. All right, yeah. um, Nelly, the career you would not like to try. The career I would not like to try. Um, I don't know anything to do with. I really don't know. Um, <laughs> Can I answer? Yes. Probably a brain surgeon. 
That would be a bad one to fall ass backwards into. Someone's life in my own hands. I don't know about that. Even though like I really love watching shows like that. I just don't know if I could ever do that. All right. So just brain surgeon. If you have to go to school to do anything to do with science, like that's just a no go for me. (laughs) Jess, what's yours? The the career you would not like to try. Uh, It's actually uh, Agent Chris's job dealing with (laughs) us. Maybe the most perfect Uh, answer. As he sits on the Zoom call, nodding his head, (laughs) affirming that for sure. All right, Jess. He's, like, no, he's probably like, no, no, you can, girls aren't that yeah, bad. Yeah, you guys like, are great. <laughs> All right, Jess, your celebrity crush growing up. I had so many. Um, actually, Adam Scott was one of them. Um, oh, Adam Scott. That's my daughter, yeah. my younger daughter. Totally smitten. Nell? Liam Hemsworth. Also a good one. Yeah, yeah. solid. Really <laughs> nice. Zac Efron. I thought you still like Zac Efron. Well, also Jake Gyllenhaal, too. Really? R- Ryan Reynolds. Oh, it's, yeah. There's one answer. It's, like, it's not like a whole it like stable many. full of guys. Yeah. Well, we'll give you a list. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. The, um, the, the skill you have, Nellie, that you're very proud of that nobody is really aware of, and this has nothing to do with golf. What are you good at that nobody really knows you're good at? Saying no. Wow. That's a skill, I guess. Oh, uh, I, I know. I'm <laughs> Buying books I never read. Um, it's not a skill. Ooh, it's a waste good, of money. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a bunch. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Jess, like you're not you like you can't play pool. I'm throw really darts. Good. Jess, what are you what are you good I, at? I, I, I'm just she, like Nelly, okay, Nelly has the the only thing oh, that I know on. that she's really good yes, has a nasty forehand like this like top spinner that'll take a head off. But that's the only shot she has. She waits for it and then it's just like a pew. Oh, you run yeah. around your backhand constantly. Oh yeah, completely. Constantly. Like my backhand's just trash, but I've beaten my dad at ping pong, so I guess that's a win for me. That is pretty good. Jess, <laughs> what are you good at that nobody knows? I'm really good at being really bad at opening things. Yes. Ch- chip bags, straight down. I'll, I'll try. I will try my best. Like I'm literally grinding on it. And now everyone just hands me scissors. Like my, my husband just looks at me and goes, just, just no. <laughs> just no just just even like envelopes just i'll try to open them like carefully and rip the whole thing off like i'm just i'm really good at being really bad at it you've wow. never seen yeah. anything like that it. is I've, i that i that that that's a level of clumsiness that i can't oh, even identify with i actually have another one is i'm really good at forgetting everything yes you're you've shown that phenomenal. you just showed that skill several yeah, times in this exercise see? You put me yeah. like literally. I forget everything. That's I love when my mom comes and like travels with us because like she has everything. Nelly like, always literally. missing her yardage book, missing a glove. Hey, I leave my yardage book now in the car for that reason. In the glove so, compartment. So yeah. it's in the door now because oh, <laughs> I know door. when I walk out, you know, I just grab it and I go. 
All right. Worst case, the caddy knows where it is. All right. Last yeah, thing, uh, Jess, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the one person in history you'd like to walk and play 18 holes with and where? Probably Bobby Jones. Great answer. And I want, like, this is so cheesy, but like back in the day, Augusta National on a Sunday. When you say back in the day, why do you say back in the day? Like when it was like. Because I really want to know and see how the golf courses were, like how that golf course was playing back when they were playing it. I think, you know, we are, we're so used to playing golf courses the way that we've played them forever now, but I want to know what it was like for them back in the day and be able to like walk and talk and like just talk about life and golf and golf course setup and stuff like that. I thought well, I think yeah, that would be cool. that's a phenomenal one because he, I mean, that was unfortunately his life ended, you know, too young, really it's in 1971, but that was his, that was his dream. I mean, and it was really kind of born out of St. Andrews. And that was the whole idea that, that, that the idea of this open area with rolling hills, which St. Andrews is not. All right, Nellie, how about you? One person in history. I'm going to do two people. Um, and where, obviously, I would say Augusta, but um, Ben Hogan. And he wouldn't talk would to you. Seve. I mean, he wouldn't talk and to you. I, mean, he... I don't need to. His swing talks, his swing <laughs> talks. Like, literally, I just would, I would want to just see that. And then Seve, too. Wow. You guys came yeah. armed with that last answer. Of course, Nelly broke the rules by adding Seve. Is like okay. all of a sudden he's like an interloper and he is in your group. Uh, rules okay. are meant how about, to be broken. How about, how about like they just play like alternate shot or something? One ball. Wow. Jones, no, Jones I- and Seve playing alternate shot or Hogan and Seve. First of all, yeah. Seve would drive Hogan crazy. Because Hogan never played from anywhere but the fairway, and Seve never hit a fairway like the last 10 years of his career. That would actually be amusing. Yeah. Work around the green. You guys were not amused by that at all. Thanks, Nelly, with that very (laughs) ambivalent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well. I'm just, like, thinking about it. (laughs) I think we're both visualizing what that would look like. Yeah. I think you're also both probably like, all right, can we wrap this up, which we're going to do right now um, for for everybody, again, who've, who's listening on on audio. You need to watch it because Nellie got her hair cut. You probably you're going to see this long before you guys play again. When when is the next time you're going to play West Coast? Three weeks, three weeks. OK, just working between now and then just just training. That's it. Yep, getting ready. OK. All right. Well, listen, I, I know how precious your time is. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. It's been a long 10 years. A lot has happened uh, in our lives since, since we yeah. had, it, it was literally, I mean, it's weird. It's 10 years ago on the eighth of this month that you guys, wow. and you guys don't even remember being there, let alone together. I remember being there. I just don't remember her being there. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, take care of yourselves. I look forward to seeing you at the U.S. Women's Open. Um, I'm going to be there and, and working and can't wait to see you. Awesome. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Okay. Well, I thank again Nellie and Jessica Corda. 
And, and one thing, if, if you're listening uh, and not necessarily watching on our YouTube channel, I highly recommend uh, you guys watch it as well uh, because the two of them together, uh, there are things that they were doing uh, that were quite hilarious, not to mention uh, the dog coming in for the last 10 minutes of the interview telling Jess that let's wrap it up. Uh, but I do really appreciate them taking this ample amount of time to chat and talk about their lives, which are, which are unique and extraordinary and highly achieving. One other reminder, it's not just me. Jay Billis got a new show coming out. Uh, Emma Carpenter, Gil Hance. As I said at the beginning, it is a very busy time. And the next Five Clubs conversation for me the guy who will be sitting right over there, Morgan Hoffman. If you've not read The Great Story by Daniel Rappaport and Golf Digest, do it as a little, uh, little homework before you listen to this conversation. He is going to be in studio with me talking about a life that took a very significant turn about five years ago. So thank you to you. Thank you to the Cordis. And we'll see you next time on this Five Clubs Conversation.